In dreams. We have pushed the shoot date back three times already. I have to go honey. I knew I was unreasonable. I did not care. He had to stay home. My husband Charles Stewart aka the famous crazy Chuck McCuckster owner of seven local auto dealerships had a commercial to shoot for his RV dealership. Chuck, stay home. They can do without you this morning. I lifted my blouse, exposing my breasts as I smiled and nodded. Ho? He says with stupid smile. Stay with me, babe. I urged. It was a weapon cultivated over the last 25 years, and it became an argument ender, as Charles would go mute before eventually asking what were we talking about. Followed by us both laughing. Cold waves of terror wash over me. I knew what day it was. I try to walk over to him and feel the weight of my limbs gluing me to my chair. It was then that I realized I was dreaming. I remember. I see images of Charles and his cameraman Skip, on an old Wild West set. They never noticed the mother bear and her cubs until it was too late. I can hear Charles and Skip scream as the mother emerged from the woods slowly at first, then not liking what she saw charged the guys. Chaos followed. Absolute chaos. Screams as the beast tore the arm from his body before the cameras. The blood, so much blood. The stunned Skip dropped the camera after the bear swiped at him. The camera never stopped recording. It captured Charles's repeated high-pitched screams of pain and terror. Help, Ergachh. His voice trailed to gurgles after the bear had finished with him the camera rocked from side to side as it recorded the final twitches of his foot and then nothing. I see him take a sip of his coffee then lean forward to hug and kiss me but his lips have stiffened. I grab him by his lapels to pull him close, and he is cold. I bury my head in his chest. Don't go. I plead. I hug him. Trying to smell him one last time. He dissolves right before my eyes, and I hear him saying bbbzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzz
The word hung in the air for a few seconds. When was the last time you talked to Tori? She has been busy working. I don't want to bother her. You wouldn't be, she said knowing Tori as well as I did. We were best friends since before we were born. Our moms had been best friends, and they too worked the manor during the summer and holidays as did most locals. Tori and I were newborns together. She was born on September 12th, and I was the 17th. We were inseparable up until Chuck and Skip had gotten killed. I honestly can say the whole town mourned them. This kind of a mishap had a way of living well beyond those that it affected. It was assured to become legend just like the tales of the old Merriweather family over the generations. Hooray Chuck! You will be immortal. Okay, I will call her later. I got a text from her saying she sent me a present. I should be delivered today. I know it is another shirt. Of course it is silly. I got mine yesterday, and no, I will not tell you where it is from. We laugh. Tori was always sending us t-shirts from wherever she landed. She was a flight attendant and was always gone. I think about having to go to the house, and I start getting nervous. Lily is past the point of giving me information out of excitement and is babbling. I listen to the rhythm of her voice rather than the words. I am still not quite awake. I have to get a shower baby doll. Trying to end our conversation. You working tonight? She asked. Not in the strictest sense. I do have quite a list of things to do though. I tell her about the wedding and how pleased I was to have booked it. Good, stay busy. I gotta go, mom. I will email you my flight info when it gets closer to the day. I will Uber to the house. Okay? Yes. I love you. Have a fantastic day. Send me photos of what you are doing. I love you, mama. I hear her as I hang up the phone. The hot water courses over my body in the shower as I stand motionless under the spray enjoying the moment until the water runs lukewarm. After drying off and dressing I flip on the TV after plugging it back in. The news blares out. I thank God it is not unsolved mysteries again and make myself a cup of coffee. I had only sat down to have my first sip when the vibration of my phone shocked me out of my thoughts. Caller ID listed it as unavailable. My heart leapt into my throat. Hello? I got a call from this number a few times and was calling back. A man asked. My heart jumped. She used my phone. Yes. Yes. I yelped. Do you know Sarah Kirk? Well, I used to. I worked with Sarah for six months like 15 years ago. He let his voice trail off. I thought she was dead. Why would you think that? I shoot right back. Well, because that is what I heard. I'm guessing if Sarah called me from your phone then that can't be true now can it? He sounded flip. Did she leave you a voicemail? Where are you calling from? Trying to sound professional. No, she left nothing other than this number. I am in New York. What happened to her last night? I launch into the whole story. I told New York everything. Right up to his call. I am not sure when he hung up on me. I was too busy running off at the mouth. However, I think it had to be after I told him about CCTV footage, which I'll admit might have been a bit too much for a total stranger returning an unknown call. It just flew out of me without the benefit of my filters kicking in. Damn it. Okay, well, he knew her 15 years ago from work. How well could he possibly know her? He thought she had died. I looked down at my hand toying with her ID card that she lost underneath a cushion in the parlor. I looked at all the numbers she had called, 
and the only one I saw was that number from Mr. New York. Then I saw the one lone text to an unknown number that was not New York's. I am so cold. Why did you leave me? S. I began a text to the number. Your friend Sarah was here last night, and she needs help. Please, call back. I did not know what else to say. I wasn't sure what to tell this person. I thought maybe it would be better to leave out the video coming up empty. My phone rang. It was the same number I just texted. I answer hello? Who the fuck is this? He sounded furious. You the asshole who texted me? I loaned my phone to a girl named Sarah who had been abandoned at the strip mall by her boyfriend. She came in where I work early this morning. She left her ID here. He was silent. Hey, guy? The silence was becoming unbearable. You have her ID? He asked finally. Yes, I replied. You saw her? He said sounding out of breath. Well yes, obviously. How else would I have your number? I am irritated. You saw Sarah Kirk? Yes. What the hell is wrong with this guy? Drawing out my voice Sarah. Kirk. Came. Here. Last. Night. Hoping my clip tone made it clear to him I was not kidding. She left her ID man. That's all. Who the fuck is this? In a low sinister voice. It scared me. Well, who are you? I ask. Feeling my own frustration at getting a simple question answered. Did you really abandon that tiny girl out here in this weather? My tone a hell of a lot more accusatory than I had intended. His reply sent chills up my spine. His voice dropped even lower when he said with a sardonic laugh, it didn't abandon her. I gasped what? Nope, I never abandoned her. I don't like being accused of something I just did not do. No no no. He continued in a whisper no no no. I just can't have you thinking Tad and he started to laugh. This low growl of a thing. I am glad you found it. I'll be seeing ya. Bye aye and he hangs up. I called him right back, the number was no longer in service. My stomach dropped. Was he really coming here? How in the hell would he know who I was anyway? I guess that if he knew where he left her and that had to be somewhere around the manor, to begin with a little luck it would not be hard to find me. This is nuts. What the shit did you get me into Sarah? I asked looking at her faded photograph. I noticed the edges of the card were not merely worn. They were torn, and it looked like there was mud under the plastic. It kind of looked like it had been buried. How did that escape my notice last night? I really did not remember it looking this torn up. I had to call the police, right? He threatened me, right? That left the question of when the hell this may have happened. As if trying to answer my question my room phone started ringing. I stand up and walk over to the beautiful Art Deco rotary phone that was currently ringing, trying to process what I am hearing and seeing. I took it from the attic where it sat broken when I was still a teenager. Displaying it on my night table because it was pretty. Why is it ringing? Was housekeeping messing with me? Had it been plugged back in? I lean over it see the cord still missing, and I hear Chuck's voice in my mind answer it. As soon as that thought entered my mind, I was obsessed with answering the damn thing. It took over everything. I could not think of not answering it. I was possessed as I reached out and picked up the receiver and placed it to my ear. I listened for a moment. I heard a soft breathing. Hello? I say. My heart is pounding so hard I can see my blouse moving. 
My breath seemed frozen as I waited what felt like hours for a reply from the other end. Hello? The breathing became a soft whimper. I hear a woman crying now, she is mumbling. I can't make out what she is saying. Her crying became a moan, and I couldn't understand her. I lean over and look behind the desk again for a cord I knew wasn't there. I hear continued moaning and crying and uttering gibberish. I am frozen for what felt like an eternity. I slam the phone down at last and think it is time to go now. I grab my laptop and my purse and shut the door behind me. I trot down the hallway to the grand staircase. It was lit by four large chandeliers suspended from above illuminating the dark mahogany and ebony woodwork. The scrolled leaves and fruits went on for days. Such beautiful and delicate vines. Endless flowers. I studied the carvings over the years, and I had my favorite spot which was the wall behind the front desk. A later more intricate addition of a fairy scene done in mother of pearl and gold leaf were simply spectacular. I hear Emily. She is now speaking on the phone to some vendor. We were having a wedding this weekend, and we were all asses and elbows getting it all put together. I walk in front of the desk, and I whisper I need to talk to you. Emily points to the mail. Mouthing take it for me? I had to think. I nod yes and grab the parcels and letters off the counter. I pull my scarf closer to my face as I make my way to the mailbox by the freeway access road. The leftover sleep melted and became ice that crunched underfoot, the wind was brisk as I walked. I see Tim the mail guy driving up and wave to him. We exchange pleasantries as I hand him the mansion's outgoing and I get the incoming. The package addressed to me in Tori's puffy, scrawl on top. Tim asks how you been, Jenny? I think for a moment considering I was in full tilt nervous breakdown, I felt pretty good. Yup, I'm doing fine, I say too fast then turn on my heels and head back down the road to the mansion. I start to jog. The jog became a run then before I knew it, I was at the shoreline of the lake. I loved it here. This place always felt more like home than my home growing up, more like home than the one I built with Chuck and Lily. It seemed reasonable for me to want to come and stay here after everything that had happened. Normal to Lil and to me. I admit that I was in a dark place. It was straight home after the funeral. I got into bed and stayed there. I would get up and see his clothes still on the floor. I checked out for a little bit. I had to do something. I knew it. I did not think I was going to make it. I had all but given up. That is what upset Tori. Tori had called to talk to me about a new guy she had met, and I was not responding in the way she thought I should be. You are not listening to a word I'm saying are you? She accuses. And while I point out that yes, I heard her and was listening to her talk but, I was preoccupied I had bigger fish to fry at the moment I explaining about the tax papers I needed to find. Look, I know what you are going through because I have been there with you guys. She had a tone as she began. I did not like this tone. I did not know where Tori was going with that intro because as far as I could remember Tori stayed a total of two days, left until the day of the memorial and, she had not come back to my house since. And I think I have been pretty patient with you, she continued becoming pissier with every word she said, you haven't even cleaned his side of the bathroom yet, have you? Have you even opened his closet? This is not good for you or Lily. She snapped. There were times I tried to clear it out, and I would pack up a few things and freak out. Finally, last week Lily took pity on me and packed it all away except for a few things like the flannel and his camo sweatshirt. I had just gotten back from our lawyers and was already exhausted from that ordeal. I snapped back. Lily helped me out last week boxing up all of his things.
Where the hell have you been? Why am I even having to explain this to you? I yell and hang up. That was three weeks ago. I suppose the souvenir shirt was to make up for her lack of presence. I had to call someone. I had to get Emily to help me. A licensed private investigator she took a job at the manor so she could have a more normal schedule. I drop off the mail on the counter in front of Emily, and she smiles at Tori's blinged out package. She is young enough to my kid but, she is secure and can often attitude more appropriate to a 60-year-old lady who has heard too many kids screaming for way too long. I liked her for that. She places her hand on mine and asks. What the hell was up when you came out here? You look terrified. She gasps. Did you see a ghost? I suck in my breath. Well. Hearing the television turn on and the familiar theme song blare out of the lounge. There are things I need to talk to you about. I need you to locate someone for me. Snapping the worn ID on the counter. Mm-hmm.